Take your Bibles, if you would. Let's turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 103. Continuing uh, the series on the attributes of God. When I began to preach, uh, began to study and look into this subject, uh, I thought it would just be a couple weeks, talk about the attributes of God and move on. But man, this is an inexhaustible subject. And uh, each week I'm studying, it's just yielding so much fruit in my life and been such a blessing. I pray that it is to the church as I'm going through here. And we're going to look at another one this morning. And a lot of these attributes, uh, if not all of them, at some point or another, David talks about them. And not only does he talk about them, there's songs written about these attributes. And so I've enjoyed studying what David, King David, had to say about these different attributes of God. And if there was a man that I believe we could relate to, it would be David. And you say, well, David was a great man of God. And he was, but David was a dirty, rotten sinner also. He was a man that uh, at times was unfaithful. He was a, at times an adulterer. He was a murderer. And uh, maybe, hopefully you can't relate to him in some of those areas. But, 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 but David was no, was no good as a human being. But I tell you what, David knew his God. And David was different from many people in this way. David knew how to get right with God. David knew how to appeal to the nature and attributes of God. And would we this morning, as we study through the attributes of God, get to the point where we know how to appeal to the attributes of God. Not only appeal to Him, but appreciate Him. And appreciate who God is. And understand, as we started off the entire study with an introduction, of there's no God like unto our God. And I'm thankful that's my God. Psalms chapter 103, this is a great chapter in your Bible. A matter of fact, verse 1 and 2 is the very center of your Bible. If you were to break down every verse... And count them out from beginning to end. It would end up with two verses being the center verses of your Bible. And Psalms chapter 103 verse 1 and 2 is the very middle verses of your Bible. And in the very middle of those two verses, if you broke it down all the way to the very, very center, it is bless His holy name. I don't believe that's a coincidence at all. This Bible is to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ, to bless His holy name, and so are we. And so let's look at this. I'm going to read the entire chapter, so hang in there with me and read along with me. Uh, the Bible said in Psalms 103, verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy disease, whom redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known His ways unto Moses, His acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous 
in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy toward them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. For He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear Him. And His righteousness unto children's children. To such as keep His covenant. And to those that remember His commandments to do them. The Lord hath prepared His throne in the heavens. And His kingdom ruleth over all. Bless the Lord, ye His angels, that excel in strength, that do His commandments, hearkening unto the voice of His word. Bless ye the Lord, all ye hosts, ye ministers of His that do His pleasure. Bless the Lord, all His works in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul." He is absolutely worthy for us to bless His holy name. The attribute that I would like to talk about for just a moment is in the center of this chapter or uh, towards the beginning here, towards the, the, the middle. Uh, but David's whole, the whole chapter about blessing the Lord hangs on this idea and this thought in verse number 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. I'd like to preach for just a few minutes this morning on the patience of God. The patience of God or the long-suffering of God. There is very little written... Uh, I've been trying to study and read after some other men and studying in Scripture. And outside of the Bible, there's very little written on the patience of God. There's very little talked about. There's, there's books and volumes written about some of the attributes we preached about. The goodness of God and about the faithfulness of God. You can find a lot of books on those attributes. There is not a lot written about the patience of God. And I don't fully understand it because I am very thankful for the patience and long-suffering of God. And I think it's just as powerful and just as special and just the chief attribute as His wisdom, His power, His holiness, His faithfulness, His immutability. The patience of God is a wonderful attribute of our God. And I'm thankful for that. If you were to try to look up patient and long-suffering in your Bible, and I did, 
It doesn't show up as much as some of the other words and attributes we've been preaching about. But I promise on every page of your Bible, you can find the patience and long-suffering of God. From Genesis to Revelation, though, the, the truth of His patience is found over and over and over again. And I believe this morning, church, that we ought to take some time to think about His patience and to thank Him for His patience. Are you thankful this morning that we do not get what we deserve? Are you thankful that we don't get it immediately when things happen? That's what I'm talking about this morning. The patience of God. The patience of God. God's long-suffering is often mentioned with His grace and mercy. And that could be one of the reasons that not a lot of people write specifically about the patience and long-suffering of God because it is so closely tied with His mercy that they'll write about the mercy of God. But they're two different things, but they work together. If that makes any sense at all, there's three times in the Bible that I found where they work together. Exodus chapter 34 in verse number 6, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Mercy and long-suffering work side by side. Numbers chapter 14 verse 18 says, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy. Psalms chapter 86 verse 15 says, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. The patience of God is a display of His mercy. It is an action of His mercy. But they are two different things. We cannot say that they're the same exact thing. And sometimes it's hard to discriminate between the two. But we can find mercy and we can find long-suffering working together. But they're two different, different things. And I want to look at just, just two thoughts. And each one's uh, a little bit long, not too long. But two things about the patience of God. And the first one is God's patience prevails. God's patient prevails. I did find where uh, Sharnock, I quoted him, he's an old Puritan writer. He said this, he said, It is part of the divine goodness and mercy, yet differs from both. God being the greatest goodness hath the greatest mildness. Mildness is always the companion of true goodness. And the greater the goodness, the greater the mildness. Why so holy is Christ? And who is so meek? God's slowness to anger is a branch from His mercy. He quotes Psalm 145 verse 8. The Lord is full of compassion, slow to anger. It differs from mercy in formal consideration of the object. Mercy respects the creature as miserable. Patience respects the creature as criminal. Mercy pities with his misery. And patience bears with the sin which caused the misery. And is giving birth to no more. Do you know what the patience of God is? It is the power that God has within Himself to exercise control over what needs to be done. The patience of God. 
The Bible says in Nahum chapter 1 verse 3, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and not all Acquit the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm, and the clouds are in the dust of his feet. The patience of God is the power and ability of himself to withhold judgment when it needs to be given. I'm thankful for the patience of God. That same man, Sharnock, some of these quotes, I'm just going to give them to you. They did a good job at it. Men that are great in the world are quick in passion and are not so ready to forgive an injury or bear with an offender as one of the meaner rank. It is a want of power over that man's self that makes him to do unbecoming things upon a provocation. A prince that can bridle his passion is a king over himself as well as his other subjects. God is slow to anger because He's great in power. He has no less power over Himself than over His creation. Aren't you thankful that God's not like you and me? The way that we handle things sometimes in our passion and excitement is not always the right way to handle things. But we have here another of one of God's divine perfections, another one of His divine attributes, and that is His patience. Sister Ruth gave a testimony just a second ago about God's timing. God's timing is not like our timing. God is very patient. He can wait as long as He needs to. We're the ones that have a problem with the timing. And I'm thankful this morning for the patience of God. We can benefit from His patience. The patience of God is that attribute which causes Him to sustain great injuries without immediately avenging Himself. That's exactly what we want to do. We want to immediately right the wrong. We want to immediately avenge when things are not right. But God's got power to have patience. Power to have patience. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17. It says, And refused to obey, neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them, talking to the children of Israel and their heir, but hardened their necks, and their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. He has the power within Himself to be patient. And stay with me. I hope that you'll appreciate His patience by the time we get done. We just read here in verse number 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger in our text that we just read. I'm thankful that He's a patient God. We can view God as long-suffering and patience. And we can go all the way back to Genesis, to Revelation, as I mentioned a moment ago, and we can see the long-suffering of God on every page. There's things we're reading in the Bible right now. We're going through the book of Leviticus. And God's like, if you do this, you've got to have this sacrifice. You know what all that is? That's God having some patience on mankind who sinned and messed up to make things right. 
Some long-suffering, the long-suffering of God. As we think about God's long-suffering in Scripture, we can think all the way back to, the, uh, the, to, to Moses there as they're coming out of Egypt. Israel sinned greatly against God in Kadesh Barnea. And, and here's the statement that was made. Here's what God said. He said, I will smite them with the pestilence and I'm going to disinherit them. Amen. No child wants to hear their parent tell them that. I'm going to smite you with a pestilence and you're out of the will. I'm going to disinherit you. That's what God told him. But you know something Moses understood that I wish that we would grasp is that God is patient and God is long-suffering because when the Lord said that, here's what... Here's what Moses responded to God with in Numbers chapter 14, verse 17. And now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great. What kind of power? The Lord just said he was going to smite him with a pestilence. Was Moses saying, Lord, let your power be great and wipe them out? He's saying, no, Lord, can your power of your patience Take over right here. He said, let the power of my Lord be great according as thou hast spoken, saying, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generation. What Moses was saying was, Lord, you said that you're long-suffering. You said that you're patience. Would you please... Be patient and long-suffering toward us right now when the children of Israel sinned and messed up. God's long-suffering is His power of self-restraint. Romans chapter 9, verse 22 says, What if God, willing to show His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction? Thank the Lord for His patience this morning. What if God immediately just broke forth on every reprobate and tore them to pieces? And you might say, that needs to happen. Well, what about before you got saved? What about before the gospel came your way? What about the time that you messed up? What about the time that you sinned against the holy God? We see the world doing what worldly people do. Sinners that are lost, they do what lost people do. And immediately sometimes we think, God, why don't you just wipe them off the face of the earth? And I think back to before I got saved. I was nine years old when I got saved, but I'm thankful God didn't wipe me out of the face of the earth. And you ought to be thankful that He didn't do the same thing to you. God's self-control, His self-power holds back when wickedness is all around us, he, he holds it back. Now when you think about the long-suffering of God, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. There are people that take advantage of God's long-suffering and patience. There will be people that will take advantage of your long-suffering and patience. We all know that to be true. And people do it to God. Ecclesiastes chapter number 8 and verse number 11. This is how the wicked interpretate 
the long suffering of God. They, they, they do it quite differently than what they should. Look, look there in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. There are men and women today, there may even be some here this morning, that make a mock of sin. They participate in sin. They know what they're doing. They cause injury towards Christ, towards the name of Christ, towards our Bible. And they do it. And because a lightning bolt doesn't fall from heaven and smack them upside the head right now, they take that as permission to keep doing what they're doing. There are some that take advantage of that. The preacher gets up and preaches about the judgment of God, preaches about the judgment seat of Christ, and preaches about how you ought to live right and do right. They go out the door. They get involved in adultery. They get involved in pornography. They, I can name all the different sins. They, they get involved in the drinking. They get involved in things they ought not to do. They, they do all these things, and immediately something bad doesn't happen. And all of a sudden they have in their mind, I'm doing okay. I can continue to do this. I will say about the patience of God, I'll mention it again at the end, but God will make all wrongs right. Just because He's holding it back now does not mean it's going to be held back for eternity. We see God's patience here on this earth, but one day we're going to stand at a judgment. It'll either be the judgment seat of Christ or the great white throne judgment, but one day all right wrongs will be made right. The patience of God. If God was willing to show his wrath. There's people today that, that just because it doesn't happen speedily. And you know what? There's some Christians, it bothers them that people go out and sin and something bad doesn't happen to them immediately. But I'm thankful for God's patience. If we all knew everything about each other in here this morning, we'd all be thanking God for his patience, would we not? Say, man, I can't believe they're not getting what they deserved. And if we would take a step back for just a moment and say, wow, I'm glad I don't get what I deserve. The patience of God. What a wonderful attribute it is. There's too many this morning that make a mock at sin. And listen, this world is doing it, but there's, there's Christians that are doing it. They're making a mock of sin and they're participating uh, willingly in whatever sin they're involved in. And just because something bad doesn't happen, they're thinking that they're getting away with it. Now, that's a twisted view of God's long-suffering. But I'm telling you, if you're saved in here this morning, if you love the Lord and you're, you love this book and you love pre, uh, pleasing Christ, you're going to be thankful for the patience and long-suffering of God. And it'll cause thee, like the goodness of God, to repent. Because we're thankful of the long-suffering of God. There's people that abuse it. And then there's people that appreciate it and are thankful for it, and it causes them to want to live right. The question this morning is, do we stand in awe of God's long-suffering, or are we taking advantage of it? I'm thankful for His long-suffering. We can look back on our life, and I can, I can stay on this for a long time, but can you not look back in your life and see all the times God was patient with you? Time and time again. Romans 15 verse 5. You don't have to turn there, but the Bible says the God of patience. 
The God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Jesus Christ. The God of patience. This is one of his titles that he's known by as the God of patience. God is both the author and the object of the grace of his patience. This is what he is himself. Like all the other attributes, the long-suffering and patience of God is who he is. That's what makes up who he is. And because we understand these things about the patience of God, it ought to be a pattern for us. When we think about all that we've done against God, man, we should have a lot more mercy and patience on other people around us. The Bible said in Colossians 3.12, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Ephesians 5.1 says, Be therefore followers of God, even as dear children. We ought to take after Him and show a little bit of patience towards others. When tempted to be disgusted by the filth that's around us and by things that people do, or want to get revenge immediately, we need to think back to what God has done for us and take a thought before we try to say or do anything. God's patience prevails. And last of all, God's patience persists. From beginning to end, we find the patience of God. We see it demonstrated all through Scripture, but one of the greatest illustrations of it, and I'm not going to turn there for a second time. I do want you to go to 1 Peter. It talks about it over there in 1 Peter. But one of the greatest illustrations of God's patience in the Bible is found with Noah and the ark. That was an extremely wicked time for mankind. Now, the Bible said when it's like the days of Noah and Lot, the world's getting ready to end and we're, we're right back there. That's one way we know the Lord's coming back real soon. So if he, if he gave two illustrations of when the world gets like this, I'm getting ready to come back. And one of them is the days of Noah. It was wicked. The Lord hasn't come back yet. It might be safe to say that it was more wicked than it is right now. And it's hard to believe. It's hard to wrap our mind around that the world today was not as wicked as it was in the days of Noah. But it absolutely was. All flesh was corrupted. The Bible talks about this, about the wickedness of man and the wickedness of their imagination. Whatever they thought of, they did. Does that not sound like today? Whatever they thought of, they did. But God did not immediately destroy them. You say, when I think about Noah's flood and the ark and all those things, God wiped them all out. But do you know it was 120 years God put up with that? And He sent them a preacher. 120 years. Now, I don't know if, if Noah preached while he was building the ark. I know a lot of people talk about him nailing up the boards and he's preaching at the same time. I don't know about all that. Uh, but I do know the Bible said that he was a preacher of righteousness and God had mercy on them and gave them another chance. He didn't immediately wipe them out. He waited. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20, if you're there, say amen. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 20. First Peter 3.20, the Bible said, which sometimes were disobedient. 
You could probably put your name in there. When once the what? The long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. While the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. From what we can tell, studying it looks like it's no less, could be more than 120 years. During that time, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Look there in chapter 2, verse 5 of 2 Peter. 2 Peter 2, 5. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. When we read the story of Noah and the ark, we read a, a chapter and bam, it's over. God said, build the ark. Noah builds the ark. They get on it. They go on their way. But there was over 120 years that took place. And God's patience, and we just read that in the verse where it said that His patience, while, while that was preparing God's long-suffering, He waited. I don't know about you this morning, but when God first convicted me of salvation at eight and nine years old, I didn't get saved immediately. And I'm very thankful that in God's patience, He kept working on me. That He kept giving me Time and chance after chance. So Noah's flood, we find the patience of God. Later on, as we go through Scripture, we see the illustrations over and over and over again. God not taking them out when they deserve it. We, if you ever read Romans chapter 1, go read it sometime about the wickedness of man and, and, and uh, evil imaginations and all the things they come up with. And I'm thankful that God is long-suffering. Look at Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14 and verse number 16. If you found your place there, say amen. Acts 14, 16. Who in times past suffered all nations... To walk in their what? God's patience. He let them walk in their own way. Verse 17, Nevertheless, He left not Himself without witness, and that He did good, and gave us rain from heaven, and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrained they, the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. The whole time they were rebelling against God. And He still gave them rain. He still gave them seasons. He still blessed Him. And we can think back in our lives at times that we weren't reading our Bible every day. We weren't doing right like we were supposed to. We weren't faithful to church. But God kept blessing over and over and over again, hoping that His goodness would lead thee to repentance and drive you back to Him. And He didn't give us what we deserved immediately after we disobeyed Him. We see all through the children of Israel's history. Man, they were a bunch of knotheads. So are we. And it's amazing that God didn't just absolutely wipe them out. But He made some promises to them. The Bible said in Acts 13.18, look at that. 
You're right there. Acts chapter 13, verse 18. About and about the time of 40 years suffered he their manners in the wilderness. I mean, the, God's telling us, hey, I put up with them. I suffered them. Why? Because he loved them. That was his people. He wanted him. He wanted them to be his people and for him to be their God. We find out they came out of Egypt and, and God rescued them, took them to the Red Sea. And as soon as they get to the other side, they're complaining. Is that not like us? They're complaining. They followed after the customs of the nations around them. Every place they went, they picked up idols. They turned to idolatry. God would chasten them in His love and in His kindness. But He did not utterly destroy them. In their distress, time after time, God would deliver them. Time after time after time, God would pull them back out of their trouble. And their sin would get worse. And their sin would get worse. And they would pick up more idols. But God continually had patience with them. And then finally, God allowed them to be taken into captivity in Babylon. He did all that to try to help them. Because they refused to do what He asked. And they ended up in Babylon. And all this time goes by in captivity and trying to get out and trying to get them to realize who He is. But can you not see in Israel's history God giving them chance after chance after chance after chance? And then finally the day comes where He sends His Son down on this earth to be born of a virgin. And they put Him on a cross. Did God wipe Him out right then and there? No. He had mercy. Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Do you know after He said that, God gave the nation, nation of Israel another chance. After they had failed time and time and time again. And finally, God turned to the Gentiles in Acts 13, 46. You're there in Acts 13. Look at verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. Talking about the Jews. But seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. All the way when God called out Abraham and a people to himself, hundreds of hundreds of years later, finally God said, Hey, I'm turning to the Gentiles. And thank God for it, because now we're in the body of Christ. We got in on it by grace through faith, and I'm thankful for it. But in the, in, in the lifespan of the nation of Israel, can you not see God's patience the whole entire way? God's, if you look at this world right now and think about God and who He is, you can't help but say, man, He's a patient God. There's a lot of things we would done to we've already taken care of it. Especially if my dad was king. <laughs> it would already been handled. But I'm so thankful for a patient God. People are sinning all around us, and they're just not sinning. It is extremely gross, perverted sin. All around us. They trample all over the Bible. They cut it up, they spit on it. They openly despise God. They use His name in vain. It is amazing that God doesn't instantly strike them dead and fix it. 
all those that defy him, all the blasphemers, all the all, all the wickedness that's all around us. It's amazing that he doesn't do to people like he did to Ananias and Sapphira. I mean, thank God that if you rob God in your tithes and offerings, that you didn't fall over dead this morning. For not dropping it in the plate, in the box in the back. Amen. But God doesn't deal with things today like that. I'm thankful for it. We wonder why God doesn't cause the earth to open up and devour people like he did with Dothan and Abiram. You read that in the Old Testament. He just opened the earth and swallowed them. Why does not the righteous wrath of heaven make an end to all the abomination? And the answer is, much long-suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. God's patience. When we think about the patience of God, I want to close with this thought. I want to think about me and think about our lives. Some of you got saved later on in life. Some got saved when you were young. But even when you did get saved at a young age, how many times have you messed up? How many times have you gone against God? How many times have you done things you know you shouldn't do, but yet you're still sitting here this morning? You're, you still have a family sitting with you. And I'm telling you this morning, God's patience in our life is not something to take for granted. What a wonderful attribute that He's been patient with us. That He put up with our wickedness and He put up with our vile conduct and He put up with our filthy mouth at times and He put up with our filthy imagination at times. Thank God for His patience. Thankful for the day that I got saved, but beyond salvation, I'm thankful for all the times that He offered forgiveness and all the times that He did not give me what I deserve. The patience of God. And we think about the patience of God. We have mistreated Him in response. We sin against God instead of thinking about God. Thank you so much that that was not worse than what it should have been. God, forgive me. And God, this thing that I've got, this sin of this besetting sin in my life, I want to get it right with you. And God, I'm so thankful that you don't give me what I deserve. And I want to give up this thing. Instead, too many times we just go right back to it. Never considering that the reason why we're continuing on with the blessings of God is because He's patient. And He's just waiting on you. You know, there's things that we go through in this life and times we mess up that we don't have to face at the judgment seat of Christ if we'll get it right down here. If we'll get it right and say, Lord, I'm sorry. And you know what the, the Bible said? As far as the east is from the west, He'll forget those things. Our gratitude towards God is very, very shallow at times. And we can sit in church every single week, but we can be backslid. Not considering how good God's been to us and not consider His patience. The Bible said in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but long-suffering toward usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what that means? I know we take that and make an application towards a lost person. 
But God is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should... He doesn't want to strike you dead. He wants you to see Him for who He is and see you for who you are and come crawling to Him to say, Lord, I'm sorry. God would much rather help you by you saying, Lord, I've messed up. And would you forgive me? And would you help me? He would much rather do that than take His hand off of you. I'm thankful for His patience toward His own. Miss Sarah, you come to the piano. I would pray this morning that as we think about this patience of God, that it would do a couple things for us as we close this morning. And one of them is to be thankful for God's patience in our life and also that we would not take advantage of it. There are things that we do every day taking advantage of God's patience. Would we repent this morning and get those things right with Him? And the second thought this morning as I close, just begin to play, Miss Sarah, is that because of the patience God's extended to us, could we not be more patient towards those that are without? I'm not saying put up with sin. I'm not saying accept sin. I'm not saying invite sin in your home. But there's a world out there that needs to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And they are still walking around. They're not dead yet. They're sinning. They're cursing. And you know what they need? They need a gospel witness. They need a track. We have family. We have friends. We have acquaintances. They are wicked, 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 wicked. The fact that they're still walking around amongst us is God's patience. Could you think back in your life when God had patience on you? When God gave you chance after chance after chance. Let's all stand every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around. God spoke to your heart. Would you come talk to Him this morning? I'm thankful for the patience of God. You know, God even knows about those hidden things of our heart that nobody else knows about. And He's just waiting on you through God's Word to be convicted about it and get the thing straightened out. Why don't you get it right with Him this morning? There's several that have come. If God spoke to your heart, would you come? Maybe there's somebody here this morning you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You've never been born again. The Bible said, For all have sinned that come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But God committed His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God has been very patient with you. Don't let time run out. Say, preacher, I've never, there's never been a time in my life, a moment, a time, a place where I acknowledged I was a sinner and asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come in my heart and save me. Today could be that day. God in His patience and long-suffering is waiting for you this morning. Every head about every eye closed. Nobody looking around.
And child of God, this morning, has God not been patient with you? Are, are there things that maybe the Holy Spirit of God spoke to you about this morning where God, through the Holy Spirit, leaned over and said, Hey, I've been patient about this. Maybe that thing this morning, whatever it is that God spoke to you about, you'd say, Lord, I'm giving it to you this morning. And I'm thankful you've been patient thus far. God, I want to make this thing right. Lord, I don't want to take advantage of your long-suffering and your patience. And Father, I'd much rather get this thing right with you today than I would for it to become open. And for God, for you to have to deal with it openly or for you to have to deal with it at the judgment seat of Christ. There's still some praying. You pray. As always, we got folks praying at this altar. If you have nothing to pray about, you pray for those that, are, that God's dealing with. You pray. Everybody in the building should be praying right now, talking to God during this time. Let the Holy Spirit do His work this morning.